Profess Error, the podcast where we celebrate life in academia through the failures we've experienced, not to celebrate the ways in which we fell down, but the ways in which we've gotten back up. In this episode, Brian and I talk about our experiences in going to our first academic conferences, talk about what you might want to expect and how you might want to plan to avoid some of the mistakes that we made. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Prophet's Error. Today, we are talking about a fun discussion topic related to conferences. So I'm joined today, as always, by Brian Franz. So Brian, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Good. Any conferences on the horizon for you these days? I feel like we're maybe starting to see some in-person conferences coming back. Uh, they're coming back. So I think you and I both have probably the same conference we'll be attending in the spring, right, in yeah. March. Um, but then some things were postponed, so I think... By next summer, we'll be back in action. Yeah, which kind of is a good timing then for our topic today. So we're talking about conferences, but we're also going to sort of talk about conferences through the lens of some of our early conferences when we were figuring out what goes on at these things. Um, You know, when I started out as a grad student, and I think, you know, you'd probably say a similar thing, Brian, I knew conferences existed. I understood it was a venue for getting publications, and I knew it had something to do with networking. But beyond maybe that, I didn't really know much about them. Um, I can remember at the first conference I went to, um, I was a bit surprised at a number of the events going on. Not that they were good or bad, just not aligned with what I expected, I suppose. Um, And I don't know that it was as... um, effective for me or I don't know if I used the time as effectively as maybe I could have. So I think the aim today is to talk a little bit about our experience um, with the benefit of hindsight, looking at what did we feel at the time, how do we approach them now, and kind of looking at what's involved and what do we do at a conference. Yeah, Yeah, this is a a great topic because I, I think, you know, we do a great job of preparing students for, you know, technical content of, okay, we'll help you with your presentation, we'll help you with your paper. Um, you know, we, we prepare students to talk about what their work, um, but a conference setting is very different. I mean, you're only presenting that technical content for 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, um, out of the entire two to three days that you might be attending this conference. So I think we're going to talk a bit about, um, today is what do you actually do for the rest of the time? Yeah, it's true. I mean, so so maybe this is a good way we can kick, kick this off, and we'll kind of give a couple examples of what were some of our experiences starting mm-hmm. off. Um, so so maybe I'll, I'll start with one as an example that surprised me a little. You know, I knew we'd present at a conference. I knew that was part of it. I have my paper. I put my hours in. I'm ready to present. I, the technical part I'm ready for. And my thought is I'm going to be on for that presentation, right, in terms <laughs> of I've got to be at the show, the spotlight's on me. I'm ready to, to talk and to answer questions and all this and I found out very quickly, no, you're kind of on the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a three-day conference, the whole thing is sort of, you know, you're a version of, of ready to talk about your work and ready to have your elevator pitch and ready to ask good questions for others. And, mm-hmm. and there's just a lot of that, which is kind of fun, but can be maybe a little exhausting at times. Mm-hmm. And I'll speak only for myself when I think of my first conference. I guess I didn't know that I had to kind of be ready at any moment for, for these kinds of uh, conversations to kind of be on. So that was one thing that caught me by surprise. What do you remember? Oh, um, so yeah, my first conference, I mean, the only academics I had been exposed to, you know, 
prior to that conference were you know my advisor mm -hmm. and some of the other faculty in that department. Um, so going to a conference to me, an academic conference was really, I don't know, overwhelming uh, in many ways. Um, it actually felt kind of alienating yeah. where you know a lot of the folks that were there were speaking what felt like a totally different language to me. Yeah. Right? I knew sort of about my little topic and about the little study that I had done and they're talking a huge range of topics, huge different way methodologies that they've that they've used. Um, and it just felt like I didn't belong there at all. Yeah. It, it felt like I was, and we, we talked about imposter syndrome before, yeah. this felt like that. It felt like, why am I here uh, amongst these folks who are living in a different world than, than I am? Yeah. Um, and eventually that feeling goes away after you've done enough of them and you kind of do find your place. But man, for that first conference or two, it just felt like I, I was an outsider that just wandered into something and it's just kind of, um, you know, pretending, <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I shouldn't be here, but I'm here anyway. Um, so I may as well make the most of it. So. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. Um, I agree by the way, I had the same thing and I feel like a, a word I might add to this is also not just an outsider or you didn't belong, but it's, it's a bit intimidating. Um, and I, I think now your comment was, you said it doesn't always feel this way. But I feel like part of, for me at least, why it doesn't feel that way is you start to learn kind of the levers and pulleys that others have in their mind going on that are guiding what they say and what they do that helps to kind of add transparency to this. But I didn't know this at the first conference. So I go there and I'm, you know, we give our presentations or what have you on papers. Um, and someone else gives a presentation that I thought was, you know, fine. It was an okay presentation and gets this just uh, a question from an individual in the audience that was really just with the intent of, I'm going to make you out to look like a fool. And it, it was it was one of those questions that I won't go into details because I don't really care to identify, and it doesn't matter for the story anyway. But it was one of those where they didn't critique what someone did in terms of their methodology. They kind of said, um, how does this address something that you never set out to address? Something that was kind of unanswerable, right? It was just misaligned with what the scope of their work was. And so probably the issue came from just how it was set up or some version of that. But anyway, you know, the, the response to that is, of course, kind of this stunned grad student up there. And I'm also a grad student at the first conference. So I'm seeing this and I'm like, I still feel like an outsider. All the things you've said, I feel like yeah. I don't belong. But now... I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the kind of questioning because as you mentioned, you knew your advisor, right? Mm -hmm. I had co-advisors, but we always had throughout the, the experience with them a very um, sort of collegial, but also just like a gently blunt atmosphere where they would still tell me things bluntly, honestly, but but in sort of a gentle manner if I needed to hear it. <laughs> this was like, a, I'm calling you out publicly. There's a hundred others around and we're all listening to this because you did something stupid in your research. And I remember just, you know, again, this wasn't to me, but to someone mm -hmm. else presenting. And I remember just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is this is crazy. And so, um, yeah, intimidating, I felt was early on was something that felt regular God. at conferences. I, I lucked out and have yeah. not I've not been in the room when something like that happens. <laughs> but I've heard, you know, horror stories of, yeah. um, you know, the sort of antagonistic question that's that's asked. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I lucked out there. 
Um, boy, if I were to, it also just seems like that's not the place to ask it, right? Like, like what what kind of response can they give you at that point? Like if you just disagree with the motivation, that's one thing. If you're curious because you you didn't understand how they did it or what they're going to do next or something, great. Ask that. But like, if you just say, I fundamentally disagree with what you've done, it seems like that's a, that's an unanswerable premise to address in 30 seconds. And I've talked to some other folks about, about this. And apparently that's more common in other fields where the the you know conference presentations do get a little bit antagonistic at the end yeah um in construction that my experience has not been that way and at our conferences they generally seem to be pretty supportive of you know the work that's done you know as you say if there's a big issue it, it tends to get maybe asked later yeah um, kind of in a one-on-one conversation with between the student and the faculty yeah. um, but i have heard other disciplines uh, it does get, uh, I'm trying to think who I was, to, it was an engineering discipline um, that they, they were used to getting those kind of comments during their presentations. Interesting. So Not to scare anyone, do you, I don't mean it, to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. No, I think this is the point. This is a good way to start. Let's talk about a couple of the other kind of reactions we had, because I feel like sure. there is a, a humanizing element to, you know, if you're a student and you're going to a first conference or you just went to a first conference and you felt these things, you're not the only one, right? So, so what are some of the other, you know, responses you remember, feelings you remember from them? Uh, man, I, I mean, other than just you know, sort of feeling like the outsider. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe what goes with that is just a general sense of awkwardness of not knowing, um, you know, where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing at at any given time, yeah. right? And so I found myself at the first conference. I mean, because you see, there's a conference agenda, you know people are rushing between sessions and there's a lot happening. And then it seemed like everyone already knew where to go and what they wanted to do. Right. And so I was the one that was kind of wandering the hallways, trying to look for what room I wanted to be in, um, you know, trying to look like I knew where I was going and knew what I was doing. Like I remember a lot of pretending to read conference programs, okay. To make it look like (laughs) I knew what I was doing. (laughs) Okay. Like, and I know it sounds stupid, but like, you know, there's a lot of time to fill. Okay. And so like, you don't just want to stand there, right. Waiting for people to approach you that that doesn't happen when you're like a a graduate student or a a new faculty. It's it's just not common. So you have to go out and and seek out people. And I didn't know that the first time. And so it felt like I was just sort of standing to the side while things were happening. Um, And it it was just a general sense of, of awkwardness. Like, that make it's hard to deal with <laughs> yeah it is i so i i felt some of that i i'll also speak now um for those listening if you share if you're also like me a little bit on the introverted side right like i can play the extrovert and that that's still me i'm being that's still an authentic version of me but it's exhausting right for me i would prefer maybe to err on more side of introversion um, so with that, I found that in doing that game of, all right, I got to go approach this person. I have to go do this. I have to initiate this. I have to, I, 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 everything's on my side mm-hmm. by about halfway through the second day, I am exhausted too. Like I just know for me, it is super tiring. So when we're talking about kind of initial reactions, mm-hmm. just tiredness or exhausting, maybe is a better word. That's, that's something that I was surprised at how much I was impacted by that of just trying to be on and networking 
you know, it's almost like if, if you know, you or any of the, the listeners, if you ever moved schools when you were a little kid growing up, that first day at the new school where you walk in and it feels like all the other kids know the other kids and you're like, well, I don't know any of these people. There was a little bit of that at the conference, right? Because it's, That's a good oh, example. Jim, oh, hey, Nancy, hey, Mary. And it, there's all these old friends reconnecting and you're yeah. like, well, that looks lovely, but I don't know anyone in this room. <laughs> and especially if you're a little bit on the introverted side or if you're even more than me and you're way introverted that can seem scary and just exhausting to think about. So, um, yeah, that was something I was super surprised at initially. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and the natural, a student's sort of natural, um, you know, remedy to that is to find someone that, um, you know, make a connection with someone Mm -hmm. and, and like a friend almost. Uh, and that can lead you to, I, I feel like, um, something that will hurt you long term because then you end up hanging around and lingering sort of with one person and it doesn't you're not you're not as ready to network i mean i think behind this whole thing is it's a little scary right i think it's alienating it's it's awkward sometimes it's intimidating um and you know the only way to get through it is just to acknowledge that that's the way it is it's going to be scary it's going to be awkward and just keep pushing forward, right? If you look at it and say, oh, I can't handle this, and you end up hiding in your hotel room for three days, um, you know, working or, you know, not engaged, not using the conference for what it's there for, uh, you're really going to miss out. Yeah. Yeah, even, and in a, especially if you're a grad student, even if these aren't your dollars you put mm-hmm. to get you there, any value you were going to get personally in terms of your own brand of you as professional development, you won't get through that. Um, if yeah. you think everyone will remember your plenary session presentation because it's that great, they probably won't, right? Like, like maybe, but, but in almost all cases, that's not going to be the thing they remember. But the lunch mm-hmm. conversation or the... Mm-hmm break conversation whatever is yeah that's probably where you'll build those longer term connections so you're right yeah so why don't we shift and talk a little bit about then um now having been to probably more conferences than we'd like to admit um now having been to a bunch of them let's talk about some of the things that are typically involved and maybe if we almost look at this through the lens of this is someone's first conference like what are some of the things that they should expect to see and have to think about when thinking what do i do in this two days or three days or however long this conference is. Yeah. You want me to start with this? Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you tell okay, us about sure. what are some of the things that might go on? Um, okay. So, you know, it depends on when you're, when you're arriving, right? Some conferences have some sort of welcome reception like the night before for people that get in, um, you know, the, the afternoon or the day before. Uh, but typically conference events start at the beginning of some day and there'll be some um, sort of welcome or kickoff uh, type session in the morning, uh, where the conference organizers will welcome everyone, familiarize you with sort of the rules and and where the rooms are and um, when the breaks are going to be, um, and then typically there's some sort of like a plenary or a keynote um, speaker uh, who gives a presentation during that session, and then your everyone leaves, they're dismissed, they go into breakout rooms, um, which will be those those conference sessions where, um, the individual papers will be, will be presented. And I guess, depending on the size of the conference, um, I've seen these be anywhere from like four papers presented per room, um, upwards of like eight or even 10. 
um, within the same room. And there, there's several concurrent rooms going and um, there's a certain schedule to it um, so that you can move between rooms and, and still catch uh, presentations that you're interested in. Uh, and then there'll be a lunch uh, at some point uh, and then breaks throughout the day. And then usually there's some sort of um, either they get people back together and do some sort of closing of the day um, and then break for dinner. And, and then there's a lot of extra activities uh, that often come with conferences as well uh, that might be planned during, during off hours, like you know, cookouts or hikes or tours of the city, wherever you are, um, that are really good networking um, events. And then the next day kind of typically repeats. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's a great okay. overview. So, so why don't that, and, and you've hit on a lot of the very typical events we have. So why don't we talk about a couple of those in, in some detail? So sure. um, I'm, I'll speak for myself because I didn't know this starting up. When you say these different plenary sessions, these are when we've got presentations that are kind of orchestrated, right? Whether that be a keynote speaker or the people presenting papers or panel sessions or whatever the version of this is, this is a session you'll go to. And especially if you're like a grad student, more than likely you're in the audience and you're 99% in listen mode, right? Maybe there's an opportunity to ask questions, but you're mostly there to listen. The keynotes... Um, this is especially if this is your first conference of any conference and you've never seen this before. A keynote I typically think of as a presentation, but usually there's only one scheduled at that time. So this is probably a bigger name uh, individual or a broader topic being covered or something that will be broadly of interest to anyone attending. Likely that will be in the big room, right? Whatever the big room means in, in the event you're at. So this is where everyone's going to go there. They may have coffee in the background. They may have drinks in the background or snacks or whatever going on in the back. Um, and so this is kind of the one big space uh, where you hear the presentation. I've found that these tend to be more like a TED talk than a traditional mm -hmm. kind of what I would think of on my next PowerPoint slide. I'll talk right, about right. my agenda, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. They're and, forward looking. Uh, they're sort of motivational. Yeah. And they're yeah. kind of fun, actually, too. Mm -hmm. That was the thing that I was a little bit surprised at. Like, we, we talked early on about, well, I can feel intimidating, and everyone's mm -hmm. using all these academic-eased language. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, the keynotes are a little more accessible. And I yeah. also think the people they bring in as keynote speakers have generally done this long enough that they've, they've honed the craft of present, uh, presenting mm -hmm. such that they're worth listening to. They're, they're pretty good, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, even if it's a topic you don't otherwise care about, it's kind of fun to go see. So if you can go there, they're fun to go see. Yeah, Other even if just to watch their presentation style, right? Yeah, like, totally. Like, because again, these are usually senior faculty. Yep. They've given, they've lost track of the number of, of talks that they've done. Mm -hmm. And so they're usually really engaging and really fun. And you can probably just learn something from how to present, how they engage with the audience, how they discuss topics, how they structure their presentation. Again, even if the topic has nothing to do with anything that you're interested in, um, the talk itself, the the sort of pageantry of it um, is probably worth taking in. And you know what's so it's true. What's funny is you listen to these people that are full professors or deans or presidents of university or presidents of companies or whatever high ranking individuals uh, are there. And they talk about these topics that they've built up expertise through decades in some cases. And what caught me in most of the early keynotes I remember seeing was how simple they could talk about mm -hmm. these topics. 
And I was like, well, I know these people know so much about this. They talk so simply. Meanwhile, when you talk to new grad students or even sometimes junior faculty just figuring it out they're it's full of big words and convoluted yep. statements and things that you know i'm just like oh my gosh you seem so smart yep. but really it's it's sort of the reverse it's that yep. the person who's done it for so long they figured out how do i really present just the essential mm-hmm. items you need to know and that's what they do and so yeah you're right just learn from their style on those but but check them out. Totally worth yep. your time. I think keynotes are um, great. I mean, unless there's some really compelling reason why you yeah. would miss it, go to the keynotes. They're, they're yeah, totally it's, worth It's it. one of the first things, yeah. oftentimes one of the first thing in the day. So there's no real reason not to yeah. get a cup of coffee, yeah. you know, sit down, listen to it. Um, and usually they're topically structured, like with the theme of whatever the, the conference might be. Um, and they're just, it's a great way to start it. Yeah. Don't miss it. So we go to the keynote. We're all in one big room. We'll probably at the keynote hear something from like the conference organizer, right? That's fairly typical. You'll have a welcome message. Um, Brian, you brought up something else that you said in your overview that I want to retouch on because I think I wouldn't have known as a student. You said you'll kind of learn the rules. I would definitely make sure to figure out there what are the expectations. A couple things that they will likely bring up that will likely pertain to your experience there. Some are little logistical items like Wi-Fi and where the exits are and restrooms. But other things will vary from conference to conference, right? One will be like presentation timing, right? One of the things we talked about is you'll typically see for paper presentations overlap. So there'll be two, three, eight tracks overlapping at times. What in each of those will have four to, I think you said like four to eight papers per, mm-hmm. per session, which is what I've typically seen too. Then part of the question becomes, are you going to attend presentation by paper and you're going to go in and circle which papers you want to see? If so, learn in the rules. If there is a no-show or something like that and someone doesn't show up, do they compress so that all of them uh, will use the time and there's no downtime in that room? Or do they leave the no-show time open such that you can bank on when you can see the other papers? I bring this up because there are different opinions on this and I found different strongly opinion. People feel strong one way or the Mm -hmm. other. Figure out the rules because if there is a paper or a presenter you really want to watch, you may need to prioritize and say, I'll miss something that would have been a nice to see Mm -hmm. because I want to be here when Professor so-and-so talks about his or her work. Um, Just make sure you know the rules because I've seen I don't even think I would say there's a trend in that. I've seen I've seen mm-hmm. it probably 50-50 both ways. Feels random. Yeah, it does. I, it would almost be nice if we would just all align to some kind of standard on those conventions. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I would say keep the schedule. So if a no-show is, isn't there, we have whatever, 12 minutes of downtime, downtime where we're just sitting in the room waiting to present. We get the next presenter lined up or whatever. Um, that way it does allow you to kind of swap, but... I mean, I've seen some session chairs just say, okay, we're moving on to the next. And yeah, it makes that room swapping. So it makes your best laid plans sort of worthless because you're sitting there circling on the agenda, which ones you want to attend, but it requires you to room hop, you know, two or three times during, you know, one of the tracks. And it just, if, if anything's out of order, you're kind of done. Yeah. You got to see the first one that you circled and probably none of the others. Likely. And some yeah. of them, too, will be fairly particular about please don't enter while a presentation's right. going on, especially if it's, you know, an old building with big creaky doors and there's only eight yeah. people in the audience or whatever. It's kind of hard to be subtle there. So, I mean, you want to be respectful of what the rules are. You're still kind of making a first impression there. The other thing I was going to say before we leave this topic on kind of the rules, I would even figure out what are the expectations in terms of how they communicate schedule. 
right? Brian, I feel like you and I might be dating ourselves a little by saying, well, you're going to circle what you want to go to. That is generally true. And I would still expect that to be the case for a while. But more and more conferences are going to an app approach. And more and more, we're going to start seeing conferences that don't have a paper approximation. So another kind of rule to learn is probably figure out what the app is, download it. They're never super complicated, right? I mean, they're pretty straightforward, but they may have little nuances in the workflow um, that you'll want to figure this out because that may be your um, resource to figuring out who presents and when. They may not have a paper backup for you. Um, so figure out how you access the, the schedule so that you can make the most of that time. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you're right. Everything switches to apps now. So it's all like there's some just general conference management app. You download that and then you find the conference on that app yeah. and then it downloads the specific conference data for uh, that you can use in the app. Yeah. So it's like a two-step process, but yeah. Some of them are super uh, uh, intricate. I mean, some of you are even asking questions for presenters yeah. via the app. Yep. So, so some, depending yep. on the, the probably the size and how you know, high-tech the conference is, they may have different expectations there. Anything else in terms of sort of rules that you want to know about at, at uh, the conference that they'll, they'll want to be knowing before they kind of leave the keynote? Maybe I, some of them talk about like the actual proceedings, right? So like mm. sometimes the papers aren't even available until after the conference. Sometimes they're available before, That's like true. through the app or on, on some website. Um, so regardless of whether the paper is available, typically the abstracts will be available. So as you're kind of planning your day, um, you know, reading through those abstracts to give you a sense of what the presentation is going to be about, um, you know, you can kind of gauge from the topic, but some graduate students are terrible at writing topic, like, like subjects of their, their papers. Um, and it's hard to tell what the paper is even about just reading, um, you know, the subject. So, um, the title of the paper. So you might want to, you know, read through some abstracts beforehand and just let that guide your decision-making. They'll tell you whether the whole paper is available or just the abstracts. Yeah, that's a good point. So on that note, why don't we then talk about some of the paper presentations and in, in sort of the um, individual rooms that we've got or the different tracks. So as we talked about earlier, you can expect to see in the schedule, uh, they'll probably have paper presentations that are probably between eight to 10 minutes on the short side up to 15 or 20 minutes on the long side. But that's probably a, a pretty typical range that you can expect them to fall in. You'll have a couple of presentations within one given session that might be anywhere between an hour to two hours long. So you can do the math on how many options you got in papers. Um, at those sessions, you've got the different uh, presentations you can go see. Um, what are some of the things that we should be expecting to be uh, planning for in those times in terms of uh, what we see, what we do once we're, we're in some of those sessions there? Any thoughts? Uh, so probably I, maybe the one of the important things is that each session will have a a chair oh yeah um, who's usually right like usually a senior faculty or could be could be assistant professors yeah. as well um anyone not a graduate student not a, yeah, we'll put it that way so student. so a faculty uh, will be sort of assigned to be that session chair um, and that person will typically be towards the front have be near the computer um, wherever you're going to load your presentation um, and they're going to be the ones who are going to be facilitating um, that session. So they're going to be queuing up the next presenter, you know, introducing that presenter, saying their name and what, what the topic is. And, and some of the, some, some session chairs are really good mm -hmm. and they like read the abstract and they give you an awesome introduction, um, and really queue you up nicely. 
some you know don't go into as much detail and they just say your name and sort of the, the title of your paper and you kind of have to, you have to take it from there um, but then they'll also handle the questions that come mm -hmm. like um, after they'll start um, started a discussion uh, at the end of your your presentation um, where they may have some questions if the audience doesn't have one it's typically the role of the um, the session chair um, but they'll call on people from the audience and sort of facilitate that discussion yeah and there should be questions i mean you know if you have a presentation you get no questions that's a bit of a bummer you you may have opportunities for presenting clearer if that's the case yeah. that probably means people didn't fully understand it but usually they're pretty good about asking questions so that's actually a, a part of the presentation um generally speaking i really enjoy either as a presenter because it's related to the work i'm doing mm -hmm. or sometimes just as an audience member it, mm -hmm. it, that engagement is sometimes more fun than just mm -hmm. being in a purely listen only mode the sure. presenter so, so go ahead. how have you seen so with respect to questions before we, before we leave that so i've seen it a couple different ways with how they handle questions like i've seen it um which is maybe the more common way of doing questions right after the presentation mm -hmm. so you present for maybe you know, 10 minutes and there's five minutes of questions or 12 minutes and three minutes, whatever it is. But there's some questions that immediately follow your presentation. Another way that I've seen it is where the tracks or the, the, the sessions are fairly, um, you know, well curated with the papers that have gone into that session. And there's four or five or six papers that are highly related. Yeah. And so they all present in a row. And then there's like a panel sort of questions at the end they invite all the speakers to come back up to the front um, and there's almost a discussion as a group um, about questions related to kind of their the common theme between all of the papers yeah i've seen both too i personally like the first one more i, I like the peppering in the engagement with the audience more yeah um but i have seen both and, and certainly if you get an intriguing topic and a really good list of presenters, the other yeah. approach can be perfectly engaging as well. Yeah. The, the challenge of the other approach that I've seen is that the most recent presenter seems to get the most questions yeah, right. simply because they're the ones who presented last. That's the one that's freshest in everyone's mind. The poor person that went first, everyone's already forgotten what you've said. So yeah. they, unless they wrote it down, you, you're probably not going to have a question. Or, or if it is the poor presenter who did, who fell into the trap that I said, and they kind of presented in a convoluted yeah. manner, and people didn't yeah. fully understand it, the the challenge is that individual desperately needs feedback, right? right? Because the spirit yeah, is not to not make them look it, yeah. bad, but to say yeah. we want to help you understand where we didn't understand yeah. what you've presented, so yeah. you can improve, yeah. and they just don't get it as much there. So one other thing, though, that I, I can also think about these sessions, and I'm, I'm now, again, celebrating my own failure here of not totally realizing this myself. If you are at this conference, right, you just went to the morning keynote, and you are presenting first or in the first session, understand that after the keynote, when everyone's grabbing some coffee and checking emails and restroom breaks or water bottle fill up or whatever they're doing, you don't have the luxury of time there. Get to your room and get yeah. your presentation on the computer. This is something that I guess I didn't know how it would work initially. But most conferences, either you upload the presentation beforehand um, or what I think is still a little more common is where you just show up to the room before it starts, bring a flash drive or something like that, and load your presentation onto the computer they have. Um, but make sure you give yourself time to do that. There's not really a lot of downtime in that hour to two hour block of presentations to do that later. 
Yeah, and again, that's something the session chair is going to be looking for right when you walk it. They're going to be identifying the presenters. Who here is a presenter? Yeah. Get up here and make sure your presentation works before we get started because they don't want to be messing around with, you know, getting slides up in between presentations. They want to go one to the other. Yeah. So can, I, I'm going to share one other if I, if I can. This is less about, I, I don't know that I've done this one personally, but I've seen it. There it. I can totally read it. There's a lot of nerves, right, when you're presenting because you're like, as you said at the beginning, I've only presented to my advisor and yeah. my little bubble at my university of wherever I go. Um, so here you got a much, you're, you're a, a small fish in a much bigger pond. I get it. I've seen numerous times where I'll talk to grad students that are there and I'll be like, well, what are you doing uh, this afternoon? Which one of these are you going to go see? You know, it's 1 p.m. They present at 4.30 and they say, oh, I'm going back to my room to rehearse my presentation <laughs> for the next four hours. Yeah. Do that. Do your homework before you get there, right? Do do yeah. your planning before you show up. Because I've also seen this where people just burn a day rehearsing for a presentation mm-hmm. that, I don't know, honestly, it doesn't matter that much. Like, do a good job. But at the end of the day, it's probably not going to be the earth-shatteringly impactful presentation mm-hmm. you have built up in your mind anyway. So go to the others. Go network. Go meet mm-hmm. with people. Go watch what they're presenting. Learn from them. Try to do that over spending that time in your hotel room perfecting your PowerPoint slides. Um, I feel like that's a that's a thing I've seen a lot of new conference attendees do and I'm just like, "Ah, oh, you're missing you're missing out the, on the value yeah. here." I mean, there there's a I mean, I would say, you know, I and I I know my own students have done this, right? Um there probably is some time that you could take for that, like, you know, if you're if you get there the night before or something, you know. Sure. No no harm spending, you know, 30 30 minutes in your hotel room sort of rehearsing it the night before and maybe 30 minutes before you go down you know, to, to get coffee in the morning and, and attend one of these, these kickoff sessions. Um, but yeah, taking a half a day in the middle of the conference is not ideal. And yeah. you'd be better served just going and watching other people present and looking at what they do well and, and what, what mistakes they're making and try to avoid doing those yourself yeah. uh, when it comes, you know, your time. Yeah. Any other do's and don'ts of what we should be doing for the plenary sessions, or should we start talking about some of the other uh, events that go on as well? I think we're pretty good on the sessions. Let's talk about then some of the other events that are relevant, but but, um, not presentations and kind of things. So you've got other social events. So we'll talk about some of the maybe social do's and don'ts in another episode, but in terms of just planning your day... A lot of these are really good events to go to. So a lot will have a breakfast. Sometimes it's combined with the keynote. A lot will have a coffee hour and a lunch. Um, sometimes you go to conferences and they'll have a pretty nice sort of um, orchestrated outing that they'll do. That often involves dinner, right? This could be an outing at some nice overlook of the town that you're in or the city you're in. It's just sort of a nice, um, you know, picturesque place to be. Sometimes it'll be a tour of facilities that they have there. Sometimes it'll be a tour of the area or some historic building or whatever. Um, but these are events that you'll typically see on the uh, calendar of events. Mm-hmm. Plan to go to them. But the other thing that I would suggest with them, I didn't know this the first time I went. If you are going to a conference and it has student and full registrations, if you notice the student registration is way, way, way cheaper than the full, see what's included. Because there is a chance that you will not have a ticket to go to the dinner or the, the boat ride or you know, whatever the thing is that they're doing for it. Um, I bring this up to say these, at least in my eyes, are at least as valuable to go to as the presentations. I learn at least as much because I'm networking with a bunch of people there. Um, 
And I didn't know that if I get the student rate on some of these things, I'm not invited to these uh, <laughs> events. So you may want to look at what's included and what you get to go to. Um, and if you're trying to go and build the brand of you, right, as a prospective academic someday, mm -hmm. you might want to see if you can find a way to come up with the extra 200 bucks or whatever so that yeah. you can go to all those events. Um, they're pretty good use of your time. Yeah, and, and with those events, I mean, you know, the conference is intimidating because everyone's rushing around. Everyone's sure. going to the next you know session and, and rushing between rooms. Um, with these kind of events, uh, it's really great to get like one-on-one -on -one with people. Like I remember, mm -hmm. I don't know, it was one conference with with you or something. I mean, we, we were on like a bus and you know, you're sitting next to someone mm -hmm. while you're going to some dinner event or some dinner venue, right? Yeah. And you're sitting next to that person for like 20 minutes. I mean, it's great to have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them about whatever about your work about you know um, what they're doing about some topic and talk about your you know what you're presenting on the next day right i mean all of that is is great like one-on-one -on -one interaction um that you it, it's not awkward because you're put in that in that situation you're not seeking it out you're not having to do some awkward inter, inter, you know introduction you're sitting next to each other on a bus or you're sitting at a table together Right. Or you you're in the same kayak. I mean, I don't know, like some of these conferences yeah. do wild stuff. Right. Sure. You got outings. Um, yeah. But like and you should always do them. I mean, uh, you know, there was one that I went to that was like horseback riding or something. I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't like horseback riding, but I guess I'll do it. When in Rome. Like, so, you, know, you know, since, you know, I got to do it, I got to talk to some folks. So here we go. Yeah. Riding a horse. It is a good excuse. I mean, it, it does. It, it is its own icebreaker, right? Like those things. Because like for, for that example, right, that's a bit strange. But that's a bit strange for everyone. Is that right? strange? I feel like it's not strange. Horseback riding? I don't know. I feel All like right, I, okay, so maybe it is. I go to I, different conferences than you, I guess. <laughs> I guess, though, my point is like that's a fun activity in that yeah. you can kind of laugh at that. Well, this is strange, isn't it? And you've already that that kind of initial ice of we've, we're just yeah. meeting each other. It's broken already. And that's yeah. a really nice um, element to it. Um, yeah, so I think I think these are good events to go to if you can um, get there. And as you point out, the one-on-one -on -one time is nice too because this these events, unlike the plenary sessions where everyone's looking at you, right? If you ask a question, if you answer a question, if you're presenting, whatever. Here, no one's looking at you, right? When you're on the bus, no one's no one cares because everyone's having their own conversation. So I've had discussions with faculty I really you know looked up to on bus rides that resulted twenty so the twenty minute ride right resulted in oh would you you want a copy of my successful NSF proposal that I submitted? Sure, just send me an email reminder and I'll send it over. No problem. Like, that's a really <laughs> that's a really nice uh, outcome nice. from twenty minutes of just sitting yeah. next to someone on a bus, and I think that's the kind of um, collegiality or, or relationship you can build because that environment is kind of conducive mm -hmm. to it if you're open to it everyone looks stupid riding a horse <laughs> well, in right, 2020 that... or whatever right so like but but also like how humanizing is that that's the best thing you could have right like to to go up to a, a dean or a full professor that you're like oh my gosh i'm a little intimidated by you and he or she is also struggling to get the horse to go left or whatever <laughs> why won't this thing stop it's broken you know like that's that's yeah that's fun. a leveling thing yeah so why don't we talk okay one other another direction I want to go with this too. Let's talk a little bit about the how you plan what you do in the event based on what your role is. 
right? So we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about grad students. Maybe we can talk a little more about that. But then also we may have some, some listeners that are kind of junior faculty, been to a conference or two, maybe as a grad student. What should they be doing? So let's, let's talk maybe grad students first and then we'll get to junior faculty. So what are some of the events that as a grad student you should expect to be a part of or plan for or otherwise incorporate in your schedule? Yeah, I mean, you know, grad student, I guess it depends on where you are as a grad student. I mean, I, I, I've never, you know, early grad students, like if it's your first year, I don't, I don't think I've ever just had a graduate student go to attend a conference. Usually there, there's a paper or a poster associated with it. So it ends up being a student who's maybe in their, their second year. Um, or a little bit further in their work. But I mean, as a graduate student, I mean, I think the primary responsibility there is to, you know, share your work, present your work, um, and just kind of get to know as many people as you can, especially if you're interested in an academic career, um, you know, post, uh, post PhD or or post masters, right? Like, you really people need to know who you are and, and what you do. Um, and so that when you go around, when you do the interview rounds, and we've, we've done other episodes on that, um, that they've heard of you or they've seen you or they, they know of you, um, that helps a lot. Um, and so it's really getting your work out there, getting some feedback on it through the paper and the presentation, and then starting to build that network for when you go out and you're on the sort of academic job search. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say the position I'm in now, I've got at least in part because of a connection I made at a conference where that person reached back out and said, hey, we have a position opening. You should apply. You know, Steve, nobody, PhD student that no one knows at this point. I mean, th- those things matter. The other thing you mentioned there that we haven't really talked about yet, but I think could pertain maybe to junior faculty too, but almost certainly grad students. If there is a poster session, right? You may not have formally planned to submit a poster when you first submitted your paper. Sometimes they'll do one-page executive summaries of your PhD Mm -hmm. or something like that. I would try to get a a submission in if you can, right? These are really good events that are often, depending on the conference, either students only or Mm -hmm. maybe other junior uh, folks that are there. But what's nice about this then is with those poster sessions, you're going to have, you know, your your poster of your work behind Mm -hmm. you, some people will read it, but mostly they're listening to what you say about it. And the people not presenting the posters are often often those that are a little more senior, right? So it mm-hmm. may be full faculty, full professor judges that are going to judge mm-hmm. your content or just um, associate or whatever level of professors that are walking around because they're curious. But you may also find some that are walking around because they say, we've got a faculty position that's going to be open in a couple mm-hmm. months, and I'm shopping around for who do we mm-hmm. want to target for this position. So those events, those poster sh- sessions, mm-hmm. great opportunity um, that's like perfectly suited for grad students, right? They expect you to be not yet finished with your PhD. So mm-hmm. so where you are, like you don't have to be intimidated about the quality of your work there. It's a whole bunch of other students who are also not yet finalized. Um, but those are, are a good event to go to if, if, you know, it applies. Yeah, and so you implied something there that maybe wasn't wasn't clear. So there, there are judges, so it's almost a competition, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they do award, you know, best poster or best poster presentation and runner-up or you know whatever um so that's also something that gets potentially added to your cv um you know if you do really well at the poster session and you you score really well with the judges um you know that's something you know if you're not winning best paper it's it's not that's pretty difficult in in a field of you know 400 500 papers um but you know if there's 30 
uh, you know, posters that are being presented by, by graduate students, you stand a pretty good shot there if you, if you put out some good work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if you, even if you, I mean, if you get the accolade, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, as long as you do well and come off strongly there, that, that, those kinds of things yeah. will, will matter. It's remembered. It is remembered. Yeah, exactly. I I can think very clearly of a few students that I was like, well, this person's a star and they're Mm -hmm. now a faculty somewhere. So like you can kind of tell that, okay, certain ones really put in their time on this and and they're very good at it. Um, Okay. So other things that as a grad student, maybe you should expect to do. Um, go to the sessions, probably don't expect to be leading the sessions, right? You're probably not going right. to be a, a, a chair of them. Um, go there in terms of um, ready to listen and that kind of thing. Um, in terms of, you know, if you've got a question or something like that, you can, of course, ask them and that kind of thing. I would generally say as a grad student, uh, or anyone, I guess, for that matter, but grad students don't know, um, when you're asking a question, think of what is answerable within the time frame <laughs> that is there, right? So, so you've got presentations that go on and whether it's the format where we ask questions right after or at the end, I mean, it's, it's a couple minutes. It's not gonna be an hour long thing. So um, if you have a very long discussion topic that you wanna cover, that's probably a discuss outside of the plenary right. session discussion. Um, so if you're thinking of questions, just kind of think in those terms of ask something that is answerable in the time that you've got. Yeah. and and. and- I mean, so the, cause the question thing is great because as, as a graduate student, I pretty much never asked questions, right? I was <laughs> very much an observer there. Um, I oftentimes did have questions, but if, if I wanted to ask them, I was doing it sort of with the author, um, or with the presenter right after, like I was trying to catch them afterwards to, to talk to them. Um, but you know, now that I'm sort of as a faculty, right, I'm, I'm much more, and looking back on it, I, I, it's probably good that I didn't ask some of the questions because they were weeds type questions that mm-hmm. I was interested in of, oh, how did you, you know, operationalize this variable or, yeah. um, you know, why did you make this decision with it wouldn't have been a good sort of discussion starter um, as, as as part of their, their presentation. Um, but now, you know, looking back on it, um, I think I've learned how to ask better questions mm-hmm. um, that that are designed to not only help me understand what they've done more, but also help the presenter to, to maybe think about their work in a, in a different way. Um, and so that's a skill that I feel like has just developed. So if you don't feel like you're comfortable to ask questions um, as a graduate student, you know, don't feel like you have to. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe this is even a good transition, but, uh, but you mentioned something there that I, I guess I've never actively thought of. But the way you ask a question, not just in terms of its timing, is also important. One of the examples you said, why did you do something this way? If you have a question to ask, I would try to maybe think about how you ask it in a way that presumes competence of the presenter, right? That presumes they must know what they're doing. If you ask, why did you do it this way? It sort of presumes you've messed up. Um, my suggestion, and I think this will this will ultimately serve you more than it would ever hurt you, is open by by asking the question in the most um, uh, uh, encouraging way that suggests that they would know it. So the example about how do you operationalize some variable, you know, I think now you probably would say, you know, when I do work, we operationalize things this way, and that's typically our approach. You took a different approach. I wonder if you could tell us about kind of how you came about that decision, right? I'm asking the same thing. I mean, I'm going to get to the same information. Mm-hmm. And I think this does a couple things. So one, beyond looking just collegial and kind of um, like someone that people might want to work with someday in the audience, 
I think you also don't shut down the presenters in terms of their ego or their nervousness, nervousness or any of that, such that they can actually give you a better answer to the underlying topic than yeah. you would have gotten if you said, why did you do it this way? You know, and I think that is a strategy that can be helpful for a grad student who's prepping for defense where everything is, why did you do it this way? They're probably thinking in a little more of a blunt, just mm -hmm. almost advert, not adversary, but a little, a little bit confrontational. It's confrontational. Yeah. yeah. And I think here, I guess the point I'm bringing up is I wouldn't have known this starting out. That's mm -hmm. probably not going to score you as many points. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about how you ask the question. I mean, I, I've seen, you can ask it in a certain way that makes the presenter very defensive yeah. of their work and so they spend the whole time sort of trying to rationalize why they did something and prove it to you that it was the best way and that's oftentimes not what you're trying to ask right i don't i don't really want you to defend it i just want to you know hear about it because i maybe do it a little differently right. um and maybe your way is is maybe has some advantages to the way that i might be doing it um and so it's not necessarily to to poke a hole in something that you're doing. It's just to have a discussion. I mean, that that's, from my perspective, that's always what it's about is to start a discussion about something and not to just shut it down. Yeah. So asking questions and how to ask them is tough. And I would never have done it at the first conference that I attended. I asked zero questions. Yeah. And so I, I think, yeah, I probably didn't ask as many either. So maybe then this is a good transition point. So this starts to then also get to junior faculty. What should you be doing? You probably should be engaging, right? I mean, yeah. at this point, you, you're starting to get uh, built up in your career. Maybe you're even being asked to lead a plenary session or be a session chair. Um, if so, take the opportunity. It's a great experience. If you hadn't had a lot of experience in asking questions prior to being offered that role, you're going to get to now, right? So in those roles, when you're introducing speakers, um, you know, some of what you should expect to do is, is handle the responsibilities there. That's timing. That's um, getting them to wrap up. That's introducing the presenters. But the other kind of unwritten rule, sometimes it's formally written, sometimes it's not, you should be ready to ask a question, right, for any presentation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get in there, and like we kind of alluded to earlier, someone presents really esoteric terminology about what they're doing and no one really understands what they just heard. And they say, are there any questions? And they look out in the audience and it's just crickets chirping, mm -hmm. right? And, and at that point, rather than saying, nope, I guess you must have done perfect. Thanks so much. Next presenter, <laughs> right? Like that, that's where you want to say, I have a question. And you can always have a couple of, I don't, I don't want to say just purely softball questions. It should be related to what they've done. But have a couple questions sort of on the ready where they can discuss. So it's really interesting if they did something super specific that no one understands. So how might you see operationalizing this on a construction site? Or what might be a next step mm -hmm. for you? Or if mm -hmm. you're going to go the on and mentor step. your own students, what would be some of the next uh, follow-up research you would yeah. do? Whatever, right? These are good questions that can help mm -hmm. them to expand in what they've done. But again, if you're new to asking questions, this is going to be... You're thrown in the deep end here, so get ready yeah. to have some questions because you, you really should have some ready. Oh, you mentioned one more thing that we didn't touch on when we when we did the sessions, and that's timing. Oh yeah, you gotta like, have timing. It, it is the <laughs> so it's the responsibility of that session chair, like if you're chairing something, to keep things on time. Because again, people are planning their schedules. They're gonna move between rooms to try to catch the presentation that they want. So how you handle the you know no shows is one thing, but keeping all the presenters on time is another thing and this is why you know this is this would be a terrible position for graduate students because 
you'd have to maybe tell a senior faculty yeah, or someone who's presenting, <laughs> oh, wrap it up, please, because I need to move on. Yeah. Uh, and they don't want to put you in, in that position because that's sure. that's super awkward. Um, so you have a faculty there as the session chair that's trying to, to moderate time. Um, and so that's an important skill that you're just going to have to, like, everyone knows the rules. So it's not like you're springing anything on them when you say, you know, one minute left, try to wrap it up. Okay. So no one's going to, you know, hold that against you, but it is your responsibility to keep that thing on time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually I'll just tell people like the times I've done it at the beginning when we're collecting presentations mm-hmm. on the, on the flash drives, I'll kind of say, Hey, just so you know, I've got this red card that yeah. means two minutes yeah. left, or I'm going to hold up a two, yeah. two fingers. And that means you got two minutes left. And after that, I'm going to stand up and sort of inch my way closer yeah, beside towards you. Them. Uh, right. Or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'll kind of say it as a joke, but let them know this is going to happen. So this is what you can expect me to do. So they're aware of it. Yeah. I've seen that happen. What other things should junior faculty be expecting um, to do maybe differently than grad students at these kinds of uh, conferences, especially if it's one of their first couple? So maybe, uh, maybe not the first couple, but I'm thinking like additional responsibilities, like as like kind of taking part and giving back a little bit to the conference. And so the way that I've done this is being on panels so like, I don't know how many, like I've done a bunch of like junior faculty panels where we kind of are supposed to talk candidly, like what we're doing here, yeah. um, about, you know, our experiences and I'm up there with maybe, you know, three other junior faculty and, and there's some moderator who's sort of feeding some questions to us to, to start a discussion with all the attendees, right? Not the pan, you have the panel up front and then you have people who are attending the panel session sitting in the audience. Um, who are following along and, and potentially um, asking some questions as well and giving us a chance to respond from from our perspective. Um, and so I found those to be pretty enjoyable. Um, at first, when I first got invited to it, I was like, oh man, this is another thing. Like, what the hell do I say? You know, I don't want to you know say something that no one else has experienced because again, this is me not having talked to a lot of other faculty and gotten their experiences. I'm sort of, do I really share my experience? Is it weird me in a bubble has no one else felt this way before um and i've the more you do the more you kind of realize that everyone has this shared common experience that what you felt is probably not unique yeah. um, but it is worth sharing to to those who are who are maybe new yeah yeah it's a, a great example another one i was going to suggest that i think is also a good um thing to do is one that came up before but for a different reason if you're a junior faculty go to the poster sessions um i found when i was starting Uh, especially this is for those of you in sort of tenure track positions where research is an expectation and you need to be mentoring grad students. Those grad students will help you to get the publications that will lead to your tenure and all these things. So they are critically important. And at the risk of sounding a little bit snarky towards you, you got a faculty position, but no one really knows who you are yet, right? When you're just starting up, you're still kind of just a grad student. And so the really best and brightest grad students there at the poster sessions, they probably don't know who you are yet because you're still building up sort of your um, uh, your portfolio of research. Go to those sessions. And especially, it's it's not unheard of to see a master's student there or something like that. I've, I've found several occasions they'll have a master's student there. If you see someone doing a master's, to ask them about what's next. You thinking about doing a PhD, right? These can be potential great opportunities to find grad students that you've already kind of pre-screened with a free interview, basically, in the form of a poster presentation. Um, they won't likely have known of you. 
but this is also an opportunity to talk about, yeah, I'm working with, I'm looking to hire some PhD students. Oh, you're graduating in a month. What are you doing after that? You know, and have those kind of conversations. Um, you probably won't sell them on, oh, I have a big name because you won't. But depending on how the interaction goes, sometimes I think uh, students interested in pursuing a PhD um, value the name less than the experience. And if you can say, you will get an hour on my calendar, 30 minutes on my calendar every single week, that's my problem. I guarantee I will give you all this to support and I'll get you to conferences and kind of the things that you can offer in the PhD experience. That can be a way of getting really good grad students. So I feel like that's, a, that's been a, a thing I used to do. I still do now as well. Um, but I, I also appreciated doing that early on. Okay, so I, I got one more um, that maybe I, I kind of want your opinion on this one Ooh, too. Nice. So so as a junior faculty, right, your own students are going to be attending these conferences probably with you in many times. Do you go to their session when they present or do you not? So what are your thoughts? I feel like there's different schools of thought on this. Yeah, so right? I... <laughs> I kind of initially would game the system a little. And so what I would do is I would go to the presentation and I would sort of co-present with them uh, and just to introduce sort of the two minute or sometimes even just 60 second elevator pitch for the project mm -hmm. and introduce the students because I'm I'm also, no one knows who I am either right, early right, on, right? right. So I, my name yeah. means nothing. And yeah. so I go there to do that and then I'll go sit in the back. Um, so I have for that reason Usually, though, and I'm guessing this is the other half of where you're going with this question. So the students up at the front, you're sitting in the back as the junior faculty. A question is asked, and you can see your student, this person you've invested all this time in, they're a little shaken by the question, what do you do? And what I've tried to do, I don't know if I'm always effective at this, but I try to give them, give them a beat, give them a little pause and just see if they can, see if they can run. Um, Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes when you see the student is shaken, if others get it as well, you'll see the person in the audience who's asking the question turn around to where you're sitting. Yeah. <laughs> Basically meaning, I know the student's not going to get this one. Yeah. Um, I've actually been pretty fortunate. I think with my students, they've been, they've been pretty good when they've been there. I don't think that's happened many times that I can recall. But I try to let the student do it and mm -hmm. not intervene. What do you do? Yeah, I've, I've, I've done both. So typically if it's their first you know, presentation at a conference, first or second, maybe, um, I will attend their session, right? I, I typically don't do the introduction. I, I like I just let them go with it. Um, but I'll be there to sort of, as you say, kind of jump in on, on maybe some questions where the student may be floundering on, or they may just not know, like, you know, maybe this is, this question was just beyond the scope of what they looked at. And, and I can chime in to provide some context on some other work that may be going on at the same time, right? That, that is, is appropriate. But I do like, as you say, to give them a chance to, to answer it and at least try, like, because uh, I like to see, you know, how they answer questions in a, in a real world environment. Um, but then, I mean, I've also had students that I, I feel very confident in um, and they actually say, no, I don't need you there. It's fine. Yeah. You know, I'll present. And I said, okay. And I'll go to another session and um, I'll hear about it after. I'll say, how'd it go? And they said, oh, pretty well. We got a, one tricky question, but I think I handled it. And, you know, that's always good to hear. So I think it's a balance. It's about where the student is and whether you feel like you need to be there. But if we're talking about, you know, things that as a new faculty you're doing at conferences, you probably need, need to plan on being there to support your own students, um, at least when they're, when they're just starting out. But it's also fun. 
I mean, that, it's more fun to watch your student present than it is to present. Even if you're comfortable talking in a group, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not. It's yeah. still more fun to watch your student do it, you know, because you're kind of seeing, oh, they, they did this thing that I've modeled in my pre. They, yeah. they sort of yeah. took that. And it's, it's fun to watch, you know. Yeah. I, w- I was at a presentation a, a while ago <laughs> and I, I saw my advisor there um, and he said, oh, I like that you did this trick. This was after I graduated and was in, you know, faculty position. He said, oh, I like that you presented this way. And I said, yeah, you should. I stole that from you. I was, I was just taking the behavior you modeled for me. And that's that's your trick. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to then be in the next position and see that yeah. looking down the line at others. Yeah. Can we talk about one more surprise topic, but feels like it's very appropriate for what we're talking of. What do you do? I'm again going to put myself in the role of I'm kind of new to these things. When I was at them the first time, I didn't know what to expect. How do you dress for these events? So in terms of like dress code, how do you handle that? Because different ones are not always the same, right? So like what, what's your approach for figuring out how do I, what do I wear to a academic conference? Yeah, this is important because people judge you like right away based on how you present yourselves to them, right? Um, Yeah, as a student, uh, I was always very formal. I was more formal maybe than I needed to be. But I was, you know, know, in a suit, tie. Tie, You know, I was was very, I treated it like an interview, right? I was was very formal with it. Um, As I've become a faculty, I'm a little bit more... um, I don't know. I don't want to say it's I'm not in a suit and tie. I'm usually in, you know, a sport coat and a dress shirt and some nice pants um, because I'm, I'm a little bit more that, that's more in alignment with who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a student, I tended to treat it much more formally because I would rather have been overdressed than underdressed because yeah. I wanted people to, to take me seriously. And I feel like that was a surefire way to do it, even if, you know, the the way I acted didn't align with, with the, with the dress. Right. Um, because they see the suit, they see the tie, they think, okay, this guy's serious. This guy's professional. And that was the impression, the first impression that I wanted to make as a student. I feel like I did something similar, but I, I think maybe I could have, could have gone a little more casual. Like I, I think you'll probably see at conferences a whole spectrum. I mean, even, even now at conferences, you'll see someone that still is in like, freshly pressed suit and they've got the pocket square going on and they've i mean they're really dressed like it's a you know a fancy very formal affair Mm -hmm. but you'll also see people it's not unheard of to see someone in jeans and a polo you know or or sometimes even more casual than that depending on the individual right um for me i'm only speaking for myself i like being somewhere in the middle I find that that's a comfort zone. So kind of what you described of dress pants, dress shirt, maybe a jacket, um, especially if it's cool-ish where I'd, mm-hmm. a jacket would be comfortable. Yeah, I could I could do something like that. Um, maybe one thing I wish I would have done in the spirit of celebrating failure, um, I, I can speak more for, um, you know, sort of uh, male attire here, but I would try to dress in something that's maybe versatile, right? The nice mm. thing about something like a necktie, for example, is it can dress you up and it's really easy to take it off, unbutton the top button, and you are a, a step more casual now. Um, that's something that I feel like I could or maybe should have done that I, I didn't do. I got, so I got something for you. So full disclosure, since we're talking about early conference experiences. So I didn't know how to dress at early conferences, right? Yeah. So I brought everything. So I brought a suit. I brought some sport. I brought a sport coat. I brought something that was more, I, I had like five different 
potential options You're like a for like a two-day event. No, because I didn't know. Because I, I five different things that I was going to wear, like, I don't know, outfits, let's say, you know, for two days, right? Because I wanted to go and sort of see what everyone else was wearing, like yeah. what the kind of the dress code was, because I hadn't been to this type of conference before. And then I would sort of mix it up depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what, what everyone else was doing, because I just wasn't sure, right? And then there's another conference that I go to that's totally the opposite. It's totally informal. Everyone's in jeans and, and a t-shirt because it's such a small group of, you know, 50 people. And, you know, we're there to learn about what we're doing and to, to network. And we all know each other pretty well. And we don't care what we're wearing. Mm-hmm. So it's totally the opposite. That's not normal. Like I'd say the airing on the more formal is, is much more normal for us. But yeah, I brought a lot of clothes to my first couple conferences. Yeah. I, it, it may be wise, though, for, for listeners, if, if this is new to them, when we're talking formal, I would think more formal like what you'd, you'd see at like a, an executive board meeting formal than it's a night out on the town, time to dress up and look, look good as we're going out clubbing kind of uh, dressed up. And I'm only saying this because you should still do you. And if that's your comfort zone, I'm not telling you to do something that, that you're not comfortable doing. Do whatever it is. But Brian, you said something earlier. You said, you know, it's first impression time for a lot of people. And if this is your first conference, you're making your first impression now. So I would just kind of think, how is, is this going to be received, right? So if I if it's, you know, if it's a guy and I'm wearing some sheeny kind of shirt that looks cool under you know, disco lights or whatever, <laughs> at two o'clock in the afternoon in a fluorescent uh, light lit room it may not have the same impact and you may look a little different in there Um, and that's not necessarily bad so again if that's something you want to do that's fine but just go in eyes open of how that will come off and you know similar for um for women who are, are dressed up there if it's you know more of the going out kind of look you may look a little bit different than the formal attire of others there. Um, and again, I'm not suggesting it's right or wrong, but just be aware of how your, your choices may be received. So I feel like that's most of uh, what to do in a conference. Any other items you want to you wanna hit on here, things you wish you would have known or anything like that? Uh, there's a lot of things I wish I would have known about interacting with people, but I think that that's an that episode for yeah. a different uh, different day. Oh, yeah. I'm still learning on that one. but uh, Yeah. I can't say I'm an expert, but I did make a lot of dumb mistakes. <laughs> I look forward to hearing them. And hopefully you do all as well. So thank you all for joining us. Um, as always, this has been another episode of Prophet Error, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks.